Now, our Bible reading tonight is taken from Psalm 33. Let's hear God's word. Psalm 33. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. Let's hear God's word. The words will come up on the screen for those who are joining with us online. And if you have a copy of your Bible, then we would encourage you to open it. Find that place appointed for reading. And let's read God's word together. Psalm 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praises commonly for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud voice. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death, to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our hearts shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Tonight, I'm continuing a mini-series of sermons that I've entitled God's Word to Our Nation. Now, two weeks ago, I preached the first sermon on this short series from Proverbs 14.34. I called it a wise word to every nation. Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And I encourage you to listen to that message if you haven't already done so. I encourage you to tell family about it, tell friends about it. I, I encourage you to listen in because we need to hear from God in this day and in this generation. Now, this evening, I want to add another message to this series. So this is the second message. And my text is taken from Psalm 33, verse 12. Look at the words together. 
Listen to God's word. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Now, as I read that text of scripture, this title came to my mind. God's blueprint for national blessing. If Proverbs 14.34 contained a broad overview of the situation that we face today, and I believe that it does, then here's a follow-on message. God's blueprint for national blessing. I've discovered that there's some 438 references to the word nation or nations in the Bible. It's not a lot. 438. The first reference is in Genesis chapter 10, verse 5, and it reads, By these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands, every one after their tongue. That means their languages. After their families. After their nations. The fifth reference to the word nations was addressed to Abraham, the friend of God and the father of the faithful. God said, and I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. The last two references to the word nations are found in Revelation chapter 21, verse 24, which reads, and the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth to bring their glory and honor into it. And then in verse 26, here's the very last reference out of those 438. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Now out of these 438 references to the nations in the Bible, 27 of them are found in the book of Psalms. And one of them is in our text. Look again at our text. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Now, if you were to read the Bible very carefully and consistently, and you sought to study it, you would learn that the Lord has a load of things to say to the individual. He has loads of things to say to families collectively. But he also has a lot to say to the nations. You see, in the Bible, we read about the land of Egypt. We read about the Canaanites who occupied the land of promise before the children of Israel entered into it. We read about the Philistines. And of course, their forerunners are the uh, people of Gaza. We've got to think about the nation of Israel itself. Then think about the Babylonians. Think about the Assyrians. The Bible mentions the Ninevites living in the great city of Nineveh. The Bible mentions the king of Persia. The Bible mentions the Isles. It mentions Rome. It even mentions Caesar. You see, I was thinking in Scotland at the beginning of the week... If the Lord had one overarching message to say to all of these cities and nations, how best could we sum it up? 
If the Apostle Paul came or the Apostle Peter or any of the Old Testament prophets or one of the holy angels come down from heaven and we're going to address the nations on the theme God's blueprint for national blessing and ask them what is the blueprint for national blessing, here would be the answer. I believe they would direct us to this text. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he have chosen for his own inheritance. Now, as I've looked at this text and thought about it and prayed over it, there's three things that came to mind. First of all, there's a comprehension that is demanded. Think of the words now. Blessed, that means happy, happy, oh, the happiness, is the nation whose God is the Lord. Do you know tonight that there's such a thing as national accountability to God. The Holy Ghost through the psalmist is addressing the nations. Each and every nation is a separate entity. It's not just the nation of Israel that's in view here. That nation's included. But it's much wider than that. It's every other nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Let me ask the question, why do the nations of the earth exist? And there's one simple answer, and I'll sum it up in the words of the shorter catechism. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's not just true of every individual. That's true of each and every institution, including the family, including the church, the individual, the family, the church exists to glorify God. And so does the state. So does the nation. The Bible says, for the kingdom is the Lord, and he is the governor among the nations. You see, here's the ultimate reason why all exist. These individuals and the institutions they exist to bring glory and honor to his name. They, they exist to recognize not only that there is such a being as the true and living God, but there has to be the reception of the true and living God as their God. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 144 and in the verse 15. He said this, listen to the word of God. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. You see, so often we think that God only speaks and addresses individuals. Now, true, he does speak to individuals. If you're out of Christ tonight, if you're still in your sin, you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then he's a message for you. And this is his message, repent ye and believe the gospel. He would say to you, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. He would say to you in 2 Corinthians 6 and 2, behold, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. But the Lord has much more to say than just addressing the individual. Do you know that he even addresses whole families? I want you to think of Abraham. And if you turn over there to the book of Galatians, in Galatians chapter 3, and read with me there in verses 7 and 8 what the Lord actually said to Abraham. Because this wasn't just to Abraham as an individual. This has to do with families collectively. Galatians chapter 3 verse 7. Know ye therefore 
that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Remember, Abraham's the father of the faithful. Verse 8, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. Not only does he address whole families, but he addresses whole nations. You think of what he said to Abraham concerning Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse 17, he said this, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and that they should keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Abraham, as I've said, is not only the father of the faithful, but he's the father of many nations. The land of Israel, you've got to think of Isaac and you've got to think of Jacob. You've got to also think of Ishmael and the Arab nations. Remember that uh, birth of Ishmael through that um, sin with Hagar. And uh, Ishmael became the, the father of the Arab nations. They all can trace their origin back to him. And if we were to examine the scriptures tonight, for example, Isaiah 13 verse 1 talks about the burden of Babylon. We're coming now to Isaiah's prophecy. He talks about the burden of Moab. He talks about the burden of Damascus. He says, woe to the land which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. He's thinking about Africa. In, in Isaiah 19 verse 1, he mentions the burden of Egypt. In Isaiah 23 verse 1, he, he, he mentions the burden of Tyre. Even think tonight if we add into the mix Assyria and the downfall of Nineveh, despite that natural uh, national revival that took place a hundred years um, uh, in the days of Jonah hundred years later Nahum the prophet was raised up to, to bring the burden of Nineveh upon them you see what I'm saying tonight is this there is such a thing as national accountability God not only addresses the individual he not only addresses the families collectively but he addresses the state and civil government they're all accountable to God their rule and their remit is to glorify God and know him as the living and the true God. And this accountability of God should lead to a national acknowledgement of God. Think of the text now. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now that's true. But what about the nation whose God is not the Lord? And the inference is, they'll not be blessed. They'll not know happiness in an individual and in a family and in a national level. The opposite will be true. Listen to what Isaiah the prophet said. If you turn over there to Isaiah chapter 34, and we read there in verses 1 and 2, very strong language. Come near ye nations to hear, and hearken ye people, let the earth hear. And all that is therein, 
the world and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, and his fury upon all their armies. He have utterly destroyed them. He have delivered them to the slaughter. You see, here's a fact tonight. Every nation under heaven has a God. And if it's not the living and the true God, then it's a God of their own making or God of their own imaginations. The fact is that nations whose God is not the Lord, not Jehovah, have got their own God. And you only have to think of the God of idolatry, the God of stone and wood in ancient time. Think in our modern day parlance, the God of sport. You can get 50,000 and more packed into a football stadium and cheer on their team and curse and swear and get drunk and all the rest of it. With no thought or knowledge of the God of heaven. They idolize their football team. They idolize the sport of football. Think of atheism, those that advocate there is no God. The full of said in his heart, there is no God. Think of humanism, the God of self, the worship of man. Has man not been deified in our day? And, and the true and living God dethroned. Think of hedonism. This is to do with the God of pleasure. Have men not become lovers of pleasure, lovers of themselves, more than lovers of God? Think of science. And they've made a, a God out of evolution. You see, each and every nation has its own God. And it may not be fully clear or certain as to the identity of the nation's God. We could ask the nations, what do you call him? They have no idea. Think of Paul in Mars Hill in Athens. He came across this description to the unknown God. And Paul used this inscription to preach about the living and the true God. Acts chapter 17, verses 22, right through to verse 31. It'll come up on the screen. I'm not going to read it all out. But, but Paul is moved and grieved because he sees in Athens some of the fullest and grossest forms of idolatry. In a place that professed many gods. It was a spirit of pantheism. They, they boasted of their multiculturalism, boasted of their pluralism. You think of the United Kingdom tonight. What's its God? I want to tell you it's not the God of the Bible. It's not Jehovah. It's not the living and the true God. What's the United Kingdom government obsessed with? Is it not the right economic conditions for prosperity after Brexit? Are they not obsessed with their own superiority and territory and army and money and pluralism and multiculturalism and their science? And is the mindset of the majority of its citizens not live and let live and let people do their own thing regardless of what the word of God says or regardless of, of what someone else thinks? You see, each nation has its own God and it's serving that same God. Now the question is this. Whom should the nation love, worship, serve and adore? And our text supplies the answer. Whose God is the Lord. A God who is creator and maker. A God who is absolutely sovereign. A God who is mighty and powerful. One who is eternal and omnipresent. A holy God. A God of infinite grace and mercy. A God in whom is plenteous redemption. The God of the Bible. A God who is um, true to his word. Remember what um, Moses could say there in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 7. And he said this in verses uh, 7 and 8. 
he made a tremendous statement in relation to the uh, nation of Israel. It's, of course, it's applicable um, to our, our um, subject tonight, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verses 7 and 8. And let's hear the word of God. Let me just read it to you. Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 8. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. You see, here's the comprehension that's demanded in the text. When we think about our United Kingdom, the basis for its formation, we discover it was founded in the Bible. Didn't Queen Elizabeth say the secret of England's greatness? She pointed to the open Bible. The Bible that's open, that had the crown and the swords resting on it. In other words, she was indicating that my throne and the scales of justice are under God's authority. Because we're accountable to him. And because we're accountable to him, we're acknowledging him. And there's been an acceptance of him as our God. The Lord, he is God. Not only is he God, but he's my God. And that applied to the king in the throne, the prince in the uh, palace, the boy behind the plow, the pauper in the street. I was thinking just the other day of the United States of America, for those who are listening online, the time that the Pilgrim Fathers landed, they first landed in the tip of a place called Cape Cod, a place called Provincetown, Massachusetts. And there's a memorial there to the Pilgrim Fathers. And it's a tribute, of course, to the memory of what they came to do. What did they come to the land of the United States for? Here was their object, to build one nation under God. And the United States to this day, as far as their constitution is concerned, I, I believe those words are written into the constitution, one nation under God. And then you think of the words in the currency, in God we trust. And can I tell you tonight, Provincetown, the tip of Cape Cod, Massachusetts, do you know this very evening, it's a den of sodomy, a den of idolatry and iniquity. It's people have forgotten God. It's people have forsaken him. There's been a falling away from the very foundations which made the nation great. And of course, the psalmist was able to supply this information when he said this in Psalm 106, verse 13. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. There's the comprehension that's demanded. The national accountability to God and the national acknowledgement of him. Now notice something else here in the text. There's a, a compassion that is described. It says, if you look at our text, if you go back, not only blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. You see, we're brought into God's sovereign choice here. God's choice was to set his electing love upon his people in Christ to be his own inheritance. In time, God called them to repent and believe the gospel. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That, that's our responsibility. That is our duty. 
to, to summon men to repent and have faith in Christ and to point them to God's means of cleansing and pardon. We were singing there, pardon from an offended God, pardon for sins of deepest dye, pardon bestowed through Jesus' blood, pardon that brings the rebel nigh. Who is a pardoning God like thee, or who has grace so rich and free? His blood, the Bible says, cleanseth us from all sin. And not only to God's cleansing, but to God's care. Do you know what the Bible says tonight? He careth for you. Are you struggling? Are you maybe ready to quit? Are you in the throes of despair and depression and say, I've had enough of this. I, I can't take it much more. Remember, casting all your care upon him. Why? He careth for you. Is he not the God of all comfort and the father of mercies? In our time of sorrow, when we're brokenhearted with grief, who do we turn to? We turn to the Lord. And this God calls us to consecrate ourselves to him. That this God provides commandments and gives us counsel. If we think of this text, blessed is the nation. The word blessed means happy, happy. The nation of the individual who knows that the Lord has chosen him to be part of his inheritance. That individual is blessed. God has blessed our United Kingdom. You, you think of eight, 1588 when the Spanish Armada came up the English Channel. What do we read? God blew with his wind and his enemies were scattered. You think of 1688 when William of Orange landed in, in Torquay and had from his flagship the liberties of England and the Protestant religion I'll maintain. 1701, then the Williamite settlement paved the way for our parliamentary democracy right up to this day. The great evangelical awakening of the 17th, 18th century. 1625, here in the Six Mile Water. 1859 in Ulster. The year of Greece, 100,000 swept into the kingdom. Again in the 1920s, just at the very formation of the state. As Northern Ireland was about to, to have its first year as a, a political entity. God blew with his wind. God blessed and a multitude of precious souls under Nicholson were saved. You think of what happened in World War I. Think of what happened in World War II. For example, the, the uh, evacuation of Dunkirk. A storm a couple of days beforehand and then the water was stilled. The times of prayer. You see, God has blessed our nation. I want you to understand that. In the past. Because there was a public profession, not only that the Lord is God, but this God was our God. But now we've forgotten him. Now, by and large, we've forsaken him. And here's the danger. We've substituted the true and the living God for another God, the God of our own making. Do you know tonight that the Lord has made you his choice, that the Lord has called you? That you might be converted and cleansed because he wants to care for you and comfort you in the journey and counsel you and carry you all the way to heaven because he, he made you part of his inheritance. Is that your testimony? Is that your knowledge tonight? You see, there is a compassion here that is described. But notice lastly, the commission that is dictated. If any nation has Jehovah for its God then that nation's God directs and dictates that nation's policy. You see, there's a link. The choice of a God 
dictates the nation's policy. If the nation has the Lord, then there will be the adoption of a constitution, adoption of a policy that honors, accepts, and acknowledges the authority and rule of the Word of God. How do we glorify Him? How do we enjoy Him forever? Here's the answer. The scriptures of the Old and New Testament is the only rule that God has given whereby we may glorify and enjoy him forever. What do the scriptures principally teach? What man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of him. And you see, coupled with that national acknowledgement of accountability to God and coupled with that national acknowledgement that the Lord is our God, there will be a public confession of commitment to the word of God. If I ask the question, who's in charge of the nation? Who determines its policy? What are the rules? And what I'm saying tonight is, if we acknowledge and accept allegiance to Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords, then we come under his kingship. We live according to his law. Acts 10 verse 36 says, he is Lord of all. Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 6 and 7 makes this uh, tremendous statement. Jeremiah 10 and 6 and 7. The words will come up on the screen, but let me read them to you. I want you to listen to them very carefully. Jeremiah 10 and 6 and 7. Listen to what the scriptures say. For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and thy name is great in might. Who would not fear thee, O king of nations? For to thee doth it appertain for as much as among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms there is none like unto thee. In other words, the inhabitants of the nation, whatever that nation is, whose God is the Lord, will promote and proclaim the Lord as their king. And they will say the king has given us laws. And that law exposes our sin. That's like a mirror. And that law was given to promote right living. And that law will be a curb and restraint on our sin. And we will live like that until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdom of Christ. You see, the nation that has the Lord will have its policy determined in line with the word of God. It will be according to the wise standard of his law. Now let me make something clear before I finish. Northern Ireland is not Israel. Northern Ireland doesn't have the divine right to exist. Northern Ireland doesn't have the title deeds to this land. Now we thank God for its centenary in Monday past. And I hope you enjoyed the little message that was broadcast on our website by our brother Ron. And I pray that you'll listen to that again. It's also on Facebook let me make it clear, not only Northern Ireland, but the United Kingdom, nor the United States of America, is it today a theocracy? We are a parliamentary democracy, and there's a difference. But what I'm saying is this. When the country has the Lord as its God, then that country, that nation, will follow God's laws. And only then will that nation be truly prosperous? Now tonight our nation's in peril because we have set aside God as the Lord. We have adopted false gods. 
We have embraced the ideas and the lifestyle and the ideas of these false gods. We've turned our back on God. And the Bible says in Psalm 9 verse 17, the wicked shall be turned into hell and all nations that forget God. And of course, we have got plain proof evidence of the rejection of the word of God. You think of the arrest of its preachers on the street for preaching the word of God in the gospel. Haven't we had the arrest of preachers in certain churches and certain nations, the Republic of Ireland and also in Canada? Do you know that in the last 75 years, less than 2% attend any religious institution in the Lord's day? And we're not talking about a Reformed, Bible-believing church. Less than 2% of the population. And what's the population of the United Kingdom? It's near... 80 million. Less than 2% attend any religious institution as a house of worship. If I were to take you to um, the Westminster Parliament tonight, we could prove to you that they've changed the legal biblical definition of true marriage and adopted a pseudo-definition of marriage. They have legalized abortion and demand They've legalized for transgender issues. They've legalized for hate laws. Did you know, as I mentioned this two weeks ago, that the Mourn District Council has went ahead and adopted an exclusion zone in relation to protests. So if we want to make a protest at a particular establishment, let it be a public house or any other place where, where murders carried out, we have to be two miles away and maybe even further. Of course, we know that they've legalized homosexuality. It's no longer a crime, you see, according to the law of God. Let, let me just wrap this up. You think of euthanasia tonight. Do you know that in the Netherlands, and pray for the Netherlands, in the Netherlands years ago, we had the great Synod of Dort. That country was at the very heart of Reformation theology. It's now become a center for euthanasia. And if you want to kill yourself, well, that's the place to go. But you're saying, but that's only for the terminally ill. I thought that, but it's not. It's wide enough for any able-bodied, sound-mind person who's just to say, I've had enough. I want to, to take my own life. And you go there. And you'll have men if you pay them enough money, and your life will be taken out from you. You see, this is all wicked and vile stuff. And it's all happening in the land. Why? Because the nation has forgotten the Lord. And what's the opposite of blessing? It's, it's blasting. And we're no longer happy and rejoicing in the things of God. We make an appeal tonight to our nation. We make an appeal to the state legislator, the civil magistrate, the police, the army, the politicians. Don't forget them. Don't forsake him. Find your fulfillment in following his word. Crown him as the rightful king of your life. Desire to make him preeminent in the home, in your heart, in our nation. Do, do, do nothing that, that, that would demise the primacy and preeminence of Christ. Is it any wonder that we need to call people to pray? Is it any wonder that we, we need to repent? 
Here's the commission that is dictated. If the nation has Jehovah for its God, then that nation's law will be dictated by that God. And we've abandoned that principle. We've turned away from it. We've forgotten. We've forsaken it. And I commend to you this blueprint for national blessing. We want the blessing of God in we Northern Ireland. I put out a little thing on Friday night, Saturday morning. Count your blessings. Listen to it on the internet. It has to do with physical and a material and temple, but primarily spiritual blessings. But if we want the blessing of God, then one thing we need to do, and it's this. We need to make sure the Lord is our God. And we have repented of our sin. And we received him as the rightful Savior and the rightful King and Lord of our lives. Could I encourage you to pray? Could I encourage you to put yourself under the word of God? Could I encourage you to crown Christ? King of my life, I crown thee now. Will you do that? Will you do it in his namesake? I trust and pray that the Lord will bless these few words to 